Welcome to the Rich With Purpose podcast, the finance podcast that's about more than just money. I'm your host, Taborjan Rasaya, financial advisor to hundreds of successful clients over the years. In each episode of this show, I speak with other experts in the complex world of money and finance, and together we discuss how you can ensure you make smart decisions with your money. Even more importantly, how to connect those decisions with your values and your purpose in order to achieve everything that is most important to you. Please note that everything we discuss is not personal advice, but general in nature. For the full disclaimer, please visit our website, richwithpurpose.com.au, where you can also register your details to get access to all our free resources. And please hit subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. In today's episode, I speak to Jennifer Ma. Jennifer is a principal lawyer at KCL Law where she practices as an accredited wills and estates specialist. What sets Jennifer apart, however, is that she not only writes wills and estate plans, but her estate litigation work provides her with practical experience where the rubber hits the road. In this episode, we explore the ideas of what estate planning really is, how to protect your legacy, and the problem with thinking a simple will is enough. We also discuss how you should think about estate planning, that you should think about the outcomes you want for your loved ones when you're not here anymore, and that you need to think about what can go wrong for those you care about when you pass away. You will learn about all the things in your life that are not covered by a will, such as joint assets, superannuation, companies, and trusts. And make sure you listen to the end, where we talk about when and how children should inherit money, and that it's not actually the money itself that's important, but a good understanding of your purpose and values that will allow you to create the right estate plan for you. So if you're interested in learning about how to protect your legacy, you will enjoy this episode of the Rich With Purpose podcast. Welcome to the Rich With Purpose podcast, Jennifer Ma. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Great to have you on, Jen. I know we've been talking about uh, getting on for a little while, so I'm really excited to be talking about the world of estate planning, wills, powers of attorney, all that sort of stuff, which, you know, most people don't like really thinking and talking about. But I know that in all the work we do with our clients, um, it's actually one of the things that's most important to people and yet people just don't deal with it properly. So, um, you know, I know when we're helping clients, we really make it a point to make sure that we're making sure that people do what they need to do and have the right things in place so that when they're not around anymore, um, they're leaving their loved ones in a good position and not with a big mess. And I'm sure you've got plenty of stories on that. Um, so before we get into talking about estate planning, I'm really interested in your background and how you got into the world of estate planning in the first place. Well, it's not that exciting though. I'll say that first and foremost. <laughs> um, it started my passion for estate planning, helping clients forward plan, protect their legacies, protect their children, really started in a very small firm that I worked in in Mount Eliza a long time ago. And my principal at the time was an accredited financial planner and he was also a lawyer. And so many look at that and go, oh. <laughs> What does that equate to? But very smart man, but also um, very passionate about this area. And so I guess his passion rubbed up on me. 
And then part of that grew to, you know, working in a trustee company and getting the insight of, of really seeing how things can go bad and how people's interests need to be protected. And then that sort of grew into just specialising in wills and estates. Um, and now that's all I do. So I do the estate planning, the estate administration, and then the, the litigation aspect too. So the war stories come from litigation and they're, they're enlightening for clients to try and say to them, you know, some clients have ideas about particular things they want to achieve and, you know, they might not be practical um, or they might create more of a mess at the end of the day when they're not around. So taking, you know, clients through options and war stories and just sometimes just saying to them, you can leave it if you want to leave it that way. It's okay. So people sometimes also have those preconceived ideas around, well, I feel obligated like I need to do this. And then sometimes I, it's fine for me to say to them, if you want to be philanthropic and leave some money to charity, that's okay. You know, you don't have to follow the strict, you know, rule of law that, you know, everything has to go to family, even if you don't like them or if they haven't treated you well and things like that. And so it's it's a great area to work in because I get to meet different people and it's a great area to work in because everyone is so different that what I deal with on a day-to-day basis is different. So yeah, everyone's different, aren't they? Everyone's got their own thoughts and feelings and background and family dynamics we've spoken about in other episodes of you know we've got our family upbringings different our cultures are different we've grown up in different countries or the same country but you know in different towns or cities and that can change and and we've got our own biases and um and and things that we different ways that we look at the world and we even have um you know different values that different people have so um, that would all influence it. So I guess before we get into helping our listeners understand what they should be doing when it comes to thinking about wills, estate planning and what they're going to do with it, can, can you give us a bit of insight into the way most people actually think about wills? Like what do most people do uh, from your experience and, and how do they approach wills? There's sort of two camps, if I can describe it that way. There's the camp where people think that by signing the will, they're stealing their fate. So they have just a resistance to the process because they feel like it's going to end badly for them. And sometimes I've said, I'm, I'm not I'm not the hand of God. Even if you sign this will, it's not your death sentence. So some people are just naturally resistant to the fear of their own mortality. They don't want to confront the issues around you know, who's going to look after my children if I'm not here or who's going to look after my pet? You know, sometimes it's really just as basic as that where they're just, it's just a really emotional taxing time for them to just go through the scenarios that we go through as part of the process. If you're not here, you know, who are you, who's, who's going to care for your children or who's, who's going to take control of your assets in order to provide for you know, your spouse or, or other sort of family members that you might be helping at the time. Mm. And, then, and then you've got the very proactive clients and, you know, it's so helpful having you engage with clients to have that initial discussion because those sort of clients come and they're well-educated about the process. You know, they've, they've come to me already having discussions with each other about 
things, you know, what's going to happen if I pass away and you're still alive? Are you going to remarry? The children are going to be young. You know, our family living interstate, do the kids have to move? You know, they've, they're really well versed, at least in having the thought process about it. So it's not, you know, no one likes to see me, I'll be honest, because I'm either talking to them about their own death or someone has passed away. So no one really likes talking to me sometimes. But by the same token, you know, a lot of clients, once they've gone through the process, feel comforted that they've done it because there's an element that they feel like they've got their house in order. So, you know, if something that proverbial bus happens, they, they, they know that things are in order and children will be looked after, the right people are making decisions around, you know, distribution of assets or sale of assets, investments. Um, and so, you know, once once they've gone through the process, it's, it's often less confronting and, and sometimes clients go into the other camp where they're so far um, particular about what they want to do that it's it's almost me pulling them back saying, okay, but now we have to do practical level things. You know, I appreciate you want to specifically name, you know, a hundred different people and I that's honest to God. I had one client want to list about a hundred different names in his will. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's amazing, right? I guess, you know, you've got that that's a very difficult thing to think about generally. And I guess some people just avoid it completely. Other people um, approach it so clinically that they don't have to think about that. So, you know, there are two different ways to avoid the topic really. Um, and I think, you know, certainly in our discussions with clients when we're raising it with them, because either they've done it or they did a long time ago or what they've got in place isn't appropriate anymore and they haven't really thought about it. Um, we, you know, absolutely find that they do that they need to take care of this estate planning stuff, not really for themselves, because you know, when you're dead, you're dead, you're not there anymore. It doesn't really matter what happens to your stuff, right? So um, it, it's really about the people that they love and care about and making sure that either they're taken care of or even as simple as just it not ending up in a big fight between the people that they care about who are left behind. Um, and, and that, if anything, that is the reason to do it properly, um, you know, separate to all the financial stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's so important to just get done. So, yeah, and, I, and I think too, because the nature of our assets are changing in terms of we typically have more structures or, you know, we don't have the vanilla mum and dad and the kids and the properties are held jointly and they pass, you know, smoothly and equally. We're, we're more often now a blended family context with competing needs between spouses and children and, you know, minor children and, and so... Sometimes it's just difficult for people to think about just who, who, who do I have to provide for and how am I going to do that? How am I going to get there? And so the process is sometimes, you know, difficult to confront initially, but more often than not, people are really happy they've done it because, like you say, they, they feel like, you know, they've got the right things in place now moving forward to avoid the fights, to avoid the disputes. And you don't know what you don't know, right? Like, as you know, most people think, oh, I need to get wills done. But wills, and, you know, we'll try not to get too technical, but wills only handle anything that you've got in your personal name. But right. they don't cover, what is it, joint assets, company assets, anything in trusts, superannuation, um, am I missing anything? I'm sure there's more to it. 
It's it's so true, and 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 sometimes people do have a perception of how wealthy they are, and when you break it down, it's it's actually held in a lot of structures that aren't in their name, and so working through well outside of your will, you might have your family trust, and that might have substantial wealth in it. You know, it might have properties in it that need to be managed. You know, you, who's going to control that entity? Who's going to do the tax returns? Make the the you know decisions around distributions of income and and when you have the mum and the dad more often than not passing away then you've got that you know, the level of fight that you tend to see these days because you know some some families are great at talking and they're great at setting expectations between people and they're you know great at being collaborative other families aren't and so that estate planning process will draw out you know, the need for, for parents to talk to children or have a family meeting or just, you know, put people on the same page and, and you know, it's preempting the dispute, which is often the key, um, you know, talking point. And, mm. and it's, it's far better to have that on the table sooner than later um, because, you know, people do have perceived expectations and, you know, mm. shifting those expectations when someone's passed away and they're grieving, you know, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard dynamic to deal with. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think when you, when you just said that preempting potential conflict and issues that are coming up, it's not like in, in, in families that are not getting along or um, it's easy to identify that, but how often do we see families that get along really well, but as soon as, there's money involved and as soon as there's discussions about who's getting what the families that get along so well can just you know turn to crap really because their those relationships break down they stop communicating well and and so part of that preempting issues is also preempting issues that you don't think will happen or preempting issues that you don't expect to happen um and and making sure that any planning you're doing is pretty watertight right Absolutely. And, and it's identifying, you know, um, your own, sometimes your own failures, perhaps as a parent where you might have given loans to children and, you know, given more to one than not to the other. And, and you know, for me, that's a red flag for that parent. They might think, no, it's absolutely fine. But when that parent's not there to mediate the children or to moderate their, you know, expectations, it's it's that's when you see the disputes and it's, it's difficult because you know you don't want families to fall apart over these things when they probably do need each other the most um, after death and getting through that whole grieving process. And so, you know, it's it's a it's and I think that's why it's confronting for some people to be honest too because they don't want to perhaps think about what they've done and what they've created or what they've enabled and and so you know. It's yeah, it can be difficult for mm. people. Yeah, it is. It is hard. I guess. I guess the easy thing to do is ignore it, put your head <laughs> in the sand. Um, if you genuinely care about the people you're leaving behind and you don't want them to be in a worse situation, not financially but just personally, mm. then it, it makes it even more important to, you know, make it as simple and clear um, to prevent as much of that disagreement as possible I guess so um I, I think your point on keeping it simple is important but I think the other thing that a lot of clients don't realize is just how much freedom they have in their estate planning to 
create trusts for beneficiaries and structure the trusts or that beneficiary's entitlement in a manner which will give them good asset protection or good tax minimisation. And, and when you walk clients through, like you do with your clients, the process of maybe a testamentary trust is good, you know, you're a high-risk occupation or you've got young children, you can benefit from the tax, you know, minimisations that come with those trusts. It's um, it's almost sometimes enlightening for clients because mm. they, they don't think that these options are there and and then when you take them through it they they get some comfort that you know sometimes it's the exact opposite it's protecting it from a family law dispute where they you know they have their daughter-in-law that they think is a gold digger and so they want to protect the grandchildren and their and their son and and that's the discussions that we have which um you do the same where where clients you know it's a personal discussion they're revealing a lot of intimate stuff you know about their lives and their children's lives and so when they have that you know confidentiality private discussion i'm not going to repeat it you're not going to repeat it but here's some options they get a great deal of pleasure in, in the fact that they are not ruling from the grave some people <laughs> there's a difference yeah. but you know giving a platform and a structure that will actually benefit their children protect their hard-earned worth because you know worth wealth um they've they've worked hard and they've earned it and they want to make sure it's mm. you know maximized and so there's a lot of um options as part of that estate planning process that probably clients don't don't know of yeah. and fair enough they don't they're not a lawyer and that's why we're here to help them through yeah 100 percent. i mean there's um we'll, we'll probably need to have a, have a, a different different episode to talk about um <laughs> you know some of the technical aspects of it but um there's a lot of stuff that needs to be considered and put in place to make an estate plan as effective as possible and as beneficial as possible and you know, we can talk about how to structure superannuation the right way. I mean, by um, restructuring superannuation for our clients. Um, every year we look at that and making some changes, we're able to save them hundreds of thousands of dollars of tax that they would pay. It's, it's basically an estate tax that, that, that you know, we work, we work around. Um, and, uh, you know, other things like testamentary trust, like you spoke about, it's really about protecting, protecting mm. children. I think... Um, and, and so that's where absolutely some, what can be seen as complexity, some complexity is really, really um, beneficial. It's really important, in fact, to have some of that complexity. Um, when I mentioned keeping things simple before, I was thinking from the perspective of keep it as simple as possible for your beneficiaries yeah. by taking, by making it really clear and yeah. take away uncertainty. And if, if complex structures are going to be needed, then make them as clear as possible. So even if the actual estate plan is complex, it's very simple for the beneficiaries so that there's less arguments, less decisions, less choices that need to be made. And therefore, um, it all just works how it's meant to work, I guess. Um, so I guess if we're... If we're um, trying not to get focused on the technical detail because we could we could get into the the legal and tax jargon and, and speak for a couple of hours on that Jen but um I think what what we really want to do is is make sure people understand how they should think about estate planning so how how should people think about estate planning it's not actually about wills and powers of attorney and trusts and that sort of thing 
you mentioned some of the people that you've spoken to about, you know, the outcomes that they want and the risks they want to mitigate. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, and I think it's the whole point of your podcast. It's, it's kind of like, well, what's your purpose? What do you want to do with your when you're not here? What do you want to achieve? And for some people, it, it is, you know, being philanthropic and leaving a legacy and, and starting a charitable trust and, you know, having that ongoing, you know, legacy. Uh, for other people, it's about making sure that, you know, grandchildren are educated. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's making sure that their priority might be continuing what they're doing at the moment and, and making sure that those children get the education that they think for others it's about protecting the wealth from you know the predators or the creditors or, or protecting the beneficiary from themselves if they're someone who's vulnerable or you know suffers from addiction issues or things like that then you know it's about making sure that for the rest of their life that they're protected and they're safe and that they're in an environment where they can have access to medical care or they can have access to, you know, a roof over their head that's, you know, safe and, you know, that people can't sue or that if they partner with someone that they can't be taken in a family law proceeding. So it's it's a, it's starting from the end and then coming back, do you know what I mean? So it's saying, okay, well, who's in your life that you want to provide for? What what do you do today? You know, like me, I, I, in my wills, you know, if, if there's no spouse or children, then I want to be philanthropic. So, you know, part of my purpose is leaving the world a better place. And, and the way you can do that through an estate planning process is to donate. And, and some people donate during their lives. So they want to continue that. So it's, um, it's sometimes starting with the end and then coming back through the dynamics and then coming back through you know, the structures that are optional, you know, or open to them to choose and then, yeah, seeing where they land. Because I guess people generally, you know, I guess either we identify that people haven't got what they need in place, let alone do they have a will, and then most people think, okay, I need a will, I've got to tick that box, so I'll go and get a will. Um, but stop there, though. <laughs> it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there, but it's not even about... I need a will. It's actually the wrong question that yeah. people are asking themselves. Um, it can also then go to what are the outcomes I want, um, which is part of the story. But I think even more powerful, and I think when we work together on clients and we take a different approach, it, it has the biggest impact. And that's when we take it from, you know, getting the will done, no, just focusing on the outcomes yeah that's good but it can even be better and ideally if we're really talking to clients about what is important to them mm. what is important for them in their lives while they're alive but for mm -hmm. their families and for the things that the people the things the causes they're passionate about and that can really help design the right estate plan that's going to help them achieve the outcomes of is actually best for them and um you know that certainly ends up producing much better estate plans than just jennifer i need a will done can you can yeah. you write one up for me a hundred percent and and i think that sort of comes back to what i sort of started initially with which is giving clients permission to do things mm. that they want to do in their estate plans because there is this sort of stereotypical attitude that well I've got a wife and two kids it all goes to them I mean yes a large degree of it has to <laughs> for for a number of reasons 
but there's also that ability that you know if that person for example wants to benefit if they had an experience growing up where they were homeless or, or where they went through school and they were funded by a particular charity for their education you know when you start having conversations like that with clients and they say I'd really love to benefit or, or have a scholarship for a, a, um, a student and you know that and I say well you can do that it's okay we can do that in your will it's so rewarding for that person to be able to achieve what really you know that it's not taking away from you know other beneficiaries under their wills but it's also just you know sinking in that little bit of them which you know they want to continue or it's it's honoring sometimes with clients you know they've had an experience where you know someone's you know been in a car accident or suffered from you know an illness and and they want to make provision for that particular you know hospital or charity or or even if it's a friend i've, I've got a client recently who you know, she pays for her friends, you know, football membership and, you know, the odd, you know, larger capital sum and she wants that to continue. And, and you know, they're, they're just friends. There's no, there's no moral obligation that the court says we have to provide for your friends. So it's a completely generous thing for her to do, but it was crucial for her and her estate planning that that friend still had those things paid for her as part of her, the rest of her life. And so, you know, she was really happy when we, you know, we did again a sort of a trust for her. But, you know, that gave her a, a, a lovely sense of comfort that what she was presently doing in her life out of the kindness of her heart would still continue. And, you know, and it's okay to do that. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, working through, you know, what, if you're not here, what would you want to happen? Mm. You know, it's a very simple question, but it's, it's really needs digging if that makes sense and then you will end up with a with a successful estate plan that even though the whole the whole process is sometimes a bit daunting and confronting and it's your own mortality and things like that but you know you've got that peace of mind and sometimes it's just what you need 100 percent. i mean once it's done and it's done well and done properly it actually it's not as, you know, the monster's not not really under the bed and it's not as scary as what you thought it might be. So, um, but the empowerment that you can get from going through the process and that peace of mind that you've now got that you didn't realise you needed, yeah. um, you know, so valuable, right? It is. And, and look, some people use wills as a weapon, I'll be honest. <laughs> There's a lot of war stories where people, you know, I've, you know, there was a family court case probably a couple of years ago now where, you know, it was a large estate and, and in the will it, it said, you know, my daughter will receive a benefit. And I think from memory it was about 16 mil. So you can imagine the size of the estate if that's just one of the gifts. But, you know, she would only get her gift under the will if she had divorced her husband at the time oh, wow. mum died. <laughs> so... You know, it's people can be a little bit cruel sometimes, and um, you know, sometimes it's deliberate, sometimes it's not. But you know, at the end of the day, it's also my job to say that's probably not okay to say, or let's keep it out of the will because a will does become a public document at the end of the day mm -hmm. if it's probated. So, you know, you don't need to do your laundry aired, and yeah. you don't need to disclose too much in that will either so you know where people do have other 
structures like trusts or super funds or companies, you know, sometimes they don't want that referred to in a will because it might disclose too much of an estate. Do you know what I mean? That other people yeah. don't know. So it's a, it's, you know, it's a, people can still retain their privacy. Yeah. If they want to. So mm -hmm. it's uh they can be a shield and a sword sometimes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Definitely. So what about, what about risk management? I mean, I know in our, in our line of work, we're always thinking about risk management and you guys do to a large extent as well. So what are the things that people have to worry about and what can go wrong? Um, I guess there's different mm -hmm. ways of thinking about it. What can go wrong if, when things aren't done properly and what can go wrong when things are done in a particular way? Um, you know, the very obvious one is that people that kind of go, well, you know, I've got my will done and if I die, everything goes to my wife and then, you know, otherwise it all goes to the kids. It's pretty simple. That's all taken care of. Yeah. And, you know, quite often we'll identify that, no, it's not quite as simple as that. And, um, yeah, there's actually risks in there. Um, you know, who can contest a will? You know, what are the, you know, what are some of the things that people need to be aware of that uh, they might not know about? Yeah, well, I think it's just looking, um, you know, contesting the will is the obvious one because that's, and that's often a concern for people because, you know, people have a fear you know, that, you know, their brother might contest or someone might contest. And so taking them through the process of, well, the law says who can contest and then asking them the questions about why they think they can contest, you know, it, it might give them some comfort or it, like you say, it might identify a risk where I say to clients, well, this is a risk. And if that's a risk, then what we do is look at other structures that the client has and see how we can utilise those structures to benefit who the client really wants to. And mm. things like family trusts are uh, uh, available to do that. Superannuation and life insurance is available to do that. So it's looking at their entire sort of pool, so to speak, to see mm. how we can put a puzzle together that might mitigate or minimise that risk and, and things such as control and, and doing nominations for super and, you know, keeping funds out of the estate perhaps uh, are ways of mitigating that risk if, if the risk is real. And sometimes it is. Sometimes it absolutely is. Hmm. Um, then, then we can definitely look at those sort of asset structuring parts and, you know, get advice from you around is this workable? Should we establish a separate trust and, and park some money over there? Do you know what I mean? And, and not have that risk of the claim you know you know excluding that beneficiary or particular risk claimant from that trust you know there's different ways we can manage people's estate planning process through restructuring which will achieve that minimizing of, of the risk issues that we identify as part of the process and some people aren't alert to the risk issues so you know some people don't realize you know, having, having the son or the daughter living at home for, you know, a long time of their life or, or paying for their mortgage repayments or, you know, putting, you know, roofs over their head and paying for rent, whatever it might be. I mean, that can create that dependency. And, and there's no rule at law that says children, for example, have to be provided equally. So, you know, I've got two kids. I don't have to leave a 50-50 split. But taking clients through the process of, okay, well, what are the children's needs? What, what provision have you made for them? You know, if, if there's one child who, you know, is getting that financial advantage during life, then you can sure bet they're going to want that financial advantage afterwards. And so, you know, that's 
a risk because potentially that child might say, well, I deserve more than 50 because I've always had more than 50. Why would you cut me off now? And then, mm. you know, you have... And that's the, way the, that's the way the law looks at it, right? That if you've had, if you've been dependent and if you've needed needed 70% of the money or the help from your parents, then the courts would say, well, if you needed 70, then you should keep getting 70. Is that kind of the way? It, it, it's, it sort of is, yeah. The, the more financially dependent you are, the mm. probably in the end, the more financial provision you will get. Um, yeah. And so, you know. Whereas some people, some people think, oh, I've given them what they need. Exactly. They don't need much anymore, but it's actually doesn't work that way. She's had enough. I've done this their whole life. And that's where, you know, the, the dispute happens after death because, mm -hmm. you know, that person says, well, I still should get more. And the other sibling says, hang on, you have had so much. Like, yeah. can you dial this down now? <laughs> the gravy train is over. Mm -hmm. um, and, it's, and, and so I can spot that, whereas... The parents, for example, might think it's just normal. It's the way we've always treated this child. It's the way, you know, everyone knows what we're doing and that sort of thing. And it's it's hard for some clients to get their head around the risk. And it's the same thing with taking clients through the process of particularly ageing parents, you know, and part of the estate planning process and, and one of the things to think about is, is as parents, you know, for me, my mum's older and it's like, okay, well, we, if you touch wood, start to lose your marbles, who's going to manage your money? Who's going to pay your bills? Who's going to be in charge if we need to move you out of home and put you in an accommodation facility? Who's going to make those decisions? And so sometimes the estate... It's just not just about a will now. We're talking about uh -huh. documents which provide certainty mm -hmm. or more certainty or guidance while you're still alive. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so what happens is as we have this ageing population, we have people living longer and we have, you know, children who might have expected to retire sooner, you know, based on an inheritance coming through, aren't retiring. And so this inheritance in patients, you know, it even, it even comes on earlier. You know, I've had many instances where, you know, poor mum or dad are being used in a pawn to pay off children's mortgages or properties are being sold and children are taking the money and, you know, powers of attorney documents are quite an important discussion throughout this process because they are a document that will operate while you're alive and you might not have capacity and, and choosing the right child to manage your affairs, you know, or the right person, doesn't have to be a child, but the right person to manage your affairs and protect your interests while you're still here is, is often important. And, it, and it's often important to stop that potential conflict happening because the conflict can happen while you're alive um, and the disputes are between the attorneys about you know whether mum should continue paying the grandchildren's education for example so I mean I had that recently where there was three children and there's an age gap between the children and so the youngest child was still having his grand his children so the grandchildren's school fees paid and the older one who was the attorney said oh mum's lost capacity now I'm in control that can stop and mm. he said well, why you know you two have had it paid why am I being punished and so when we talk through that estate planning process with clients particularly older clients um it's it's a much more detailed discussion around powers of attorney because we are living longer and touch wood we're living longer with some form of cognitive impairment and so what we do is go through okay well 
like you say, what are you doing now that you want to continue doing and, and prompting them through, oh, you do pay school fees. Okay, well, let's make sure that that's recorded in your power of attorney um, so that we don't have a potential conflict transaction happening. Or, you know, if you're making donations regularly and you still want to continue them, let's word that in. Or mm. if you want to stay in your home for as long as you can and have your, your, your cost of care paid for from your own resources, let's hardwire that in. So depending on the age bracket of clients and depending on, you know, their goals and their wishes, you know, it will be a different document, but certainly, you know, there's points in time, I think in our lives where, whether we're, you know, like you and I, I'm going to call us both young, whether we're young and with, you know, young kids, you know, touch wood, something happened to Clint, I'd, I'd want, you know, a structure where I can maximise, you know, income tax-free to pay the school fees. Do you know what I mean? So it's a different a different estate plan for our point in time as opposed to you know my mum for example who still wants to benefit grandchildren still wants to benefit her children doesn't want to annoy anyone has five daughters one son not enough rings on her fingers to divvy up so you know it's a different discussion mm. around you know what she and, and her pressing concern is not when she's passed away her pressing concern is now while she's alive and yeah so it's it's depending, yeah, like I said, on your age bracket and your and your, your needs in life, what you want to achieve in life, it'll be a very different outcome. And that's that's the fun of what I do is that I get to learn learn things about people and then try and you know honor them in a in a legal way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think again, it's just about you know without getting into technicalities and solutions in this chat, but you know, listeners really being aware of what can go wrong and why they need to at least think about this stuff. Um, Whether it's, you know, uh, with powers of attorney, for example, while you're still alive, you might want to appoint different people. You know, there might be one person that you trust who's got the nous and and, and sensible enough to manage money and make decisions Mm. like that. But you might have a completely different person or child that, you know, helps with medical treatment or you know, where you're going to live and, you know, whether you should go in the nice nursing home or the really dodgy one because, you know, they, they, won't, worry. they won't worry about spending their inheritance. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, and it sounds funny, <laughs> but it's so true. You know, you yeah. want to have appoint people that share the same values. Absolutely. Because they're going to step into your shoes. So Absolutely. Um, we also think about, you know, you mentioned, yeah, I'll I'll um I'll agree with you that, that we're young. I'll take that. Um, not, not so sure, but we'll, you know we'll take it. Um, I'm running. <laughs> run, run with it, I reckon. Um, but but when you got children who are young or not adults, um, there are some definite things to consider as well. And it's not just are they legal adults at the age of eighteen. I know that when we're having these discussions with our clients, we're definitely finding that people are saying I would not want my 18 year old receiving a million dollars or five million dollars or whatever it is when we if we died and you know they received money at 18 that would not be a good thing and um, you know we've spoken about different strategies that clients can put in place whether they um, have some sort of restrictions until they've matured um, Mm -hmm. and then things like that so you know what, what are some of the examples there that that, that you've done there by 18 you know they're they've finished school and you know most kids these days are doing gap years so they're not going to uni until you know 
the year later and, and, and uni degrees are longer and statistically most kids are still home at 32. So when you're looking, like you say, at that age of maturity and, and things like that, it's, it's, it's a lot further out than most people realise these days in terms of just the life cycle of when a child leaves home. And, and if you're looking at children not moving out of home until 32, I mean, that's, that's a long time for you and I, at least we're with our young children. <laughs> so we're not going to retire anytime soon either. But the strategies around that do, and, and it's very individual. And, and some, some clients have children that are really well you know, established and stable and, and educated in, in finances, usually because they've had that, you know, good training from mum or dad. But um, it's, 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 you can either sort of stagger, stagger distributions to children or you can put co-controllers in with children to try and moderate decision-making and give them that education around, okay, well, I'm now 21 and I have access to a million dollars. I'm going to buy Maserati and travel as opposed to, you know, perhaps being moderated or educated by someone to say, well, actually maybe invest it and maybe continue with your education, get your degree, you know, this one million could be, you know, 1.5 in another 20 years or whatever it might be, you know, giving them that supported decision-making and, and it's, it's a very obviously client by client, case by case way of doing it. But invariably, most people these days, you know, do a testamentary trust and what changes within that testamentary trust is who controls it, at what age children can, you know, step up as a co-controller or as a sole controller and, and who can benefit. And, and I certainly see a lot of people more recently, and I would say in the last five years, who are just doing bloodline trusts. Mm. And I think that bloodline trust, which is just, you know, children, grandchildren and, you know, lineal descendants has come about because, you know, really as a society, you know, we are statistically divorcing or separating or living in blended families. And so it's not just divorce anymore, which was probably, you know, the negative word of the sort of 70s and 80s. It, it's now blended families and you're looking at you know multiple blended families <laughs> almost mm -hmm. so you know I, I had one guy who at, at 66 was on his third spouse she was pregnant she was a lot younger and he already had five children with two other women and and you know that was a hard estate plan to deal with because so many competing issues adult children a young child on the way ex-spouses him going into retirement probably not enough money to go around and so mm. you know moderating those competing needs between the beneficiaries is is difficult and it's yeah, um huh? yeah and i guess you know, it is and and as a society we are becoming yeah and we and we hear those stories of people where they've you know i mean i've come across it where it'll be a child who's parent has um uh, parents have separated and then um one of them has um remarried um, after separation and then the wealth ends up going down a, a path that excludes you know one side of the family completely um probably unintentionally in fact yeah. but um you know we've seen those you see the headlines in the news but we see it every you know with clients just regular people as well where people that you that people want to inherit sometimes just don't mm. because they haven't understood the risks and the issues that can come up with 
um, those sorts of things, I guess. It's that and it's also the flip of that where, you know, you have that blended family and you've got stepchildren, you know, challenging an estate, mm. you know, against biological children. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's also the risk of saying, well, you are a blended family and yes, you have your own adult children, but you've also had children that have lived in that house and grown up with you and, you know, you've made financial provision for and, and sometimes that parent will say, well, the way we've structured our assets is, is that, you know, we've kept that separation of assets, hers are hers and mine are mine. And, you know, we've agreed that it goes this way. And, you know, it doesn't, that, that level of agreement is great, but it doesn't, you know, stop people challenging that will and it doesn't stop contests. And so, you know, putting in place safeguards around using their own existing structures like super to, you know, make sure that payment's made direct and, and doesn't get put into the estate and is open to mm. challenges is important and and I think people um, you know not understanding just what might be that risk in terms of um, you know even with the definition of child like you say I mean these days you know I've done quite a few plans in the last two years or estate planning plans I mean with clients who are you know the same sex couple and had children through you know artificial insemination or they've had you know children from overseas you know through the surrogacy laws over there and so you know they they're not recognized as adopted children here because our laws don't marry up with the American laws for example and so from an estate planning perspective for me you want to avoid that unintended consequence of making sure that you know that child is either named or there's you know because particularly um you know, with the same-sex male couple, obviously there's another woman involved who's had the child and mm. and making sure that, you know, there's no sort of parental claim, making sure that, you know, the child is a child of the couple, not just perhaps one of the fathers who might have been the donor and and then taking that step even further. And, and in this particular case that I was working on, you know, we went through all the trustees to make sure that the, the definition of children made sure that these children benefited because... You know, they were a, a couple who each of the of the partners had fathered the, the, the children, so siblings, same mother, but different fathers, if that makes sense. So yep. you know, a very unique but wonderful situation. Yep. And, you know, but it, again, it's it was that crossover with the international law, the adoption law here, the definition of insemination, artificial means and, and even making sure that we, we change the trustees just to be safe that these children were recognised as beneficiaries under the trust. So, you know, sometimes there is the devil in the detail that people might not recognise and, um, you know, they were such a lovely couple to deal with and, you know, co complicated but such a such a lovely way of being complicated too. So yeah, Super complicated and, yes, you can, you can just see how important it is to understand as you said definitions of words just a word i know you found and I... so, found so so simple and <laughs> you know but if you don't define what a child is then how do you know what a child is you know if it's yeah. if it's not a standard definition so you know i think again we just have to be aware that our circumstances may require some investigation at least understand what we're dealing with Yes. Again, it's in order to make sure that the outcomes that we want um, occur, which is always about helping 
those we leave behind, right? So um, again, yeah, we've just got to think about it a bit more, I think. So no, that's a great, it's a great example. So Jennifer, before we finish up, this is a, I know just conscious of time and, you know, we certainly need to have additional episodes on some of the complexities, but, um, you know, this, this podcast is really focused on purpose and uh, we know that the purpose of uh, understanding our purpose really helps us make better estate plans. It's not just about writing a will and those sorts of things, which is why when we approach it from that perspective, we can, uh, as we said before, have such a much more comprehensive and powerful estate plan and make sure what we want to happen actually happens, manage the risks and all that sort of thing. So we also know that, you know, how people think about their purpose can change over time. Yes. Um, the things that are important to them today might be different at different times in their lives. And everybody is a bit different and everyone has different definitions of purpose as well. And so we see that every day with clients. But I'm interested to know from your perspective, have you figured out what your purpose is yet? Or, or how would you define your purpose right now? I'm listening to your podcasts to help, but I think <laughs> on a very, very, you know, basic level for me, my purpose would be to, you know, create some some children that, you know, are good humans and who, you know, will make the world a better place. And for me personally, it is trying to make the world a, a better place. And and I, I'm not the the person who needs the legacy in the hallway of the hospital do you know what I mean to say we've donated x amount of money but I think you know doing what I do you can you can help people on just a very small level but I think more broadly you know leaving leaving the world a better place is probably a big part of my purpose yeah oh that's fantastic and you know what you do is helps people tremendously I mean giving them peace of mind and getting them out of, uh, you know, situations which they, which, and avoiding situations that they could have found themselves in if they hadn't got that plan done, the estate planning done correctly. So, no, unbelievably valuable. So thanks so much, Jennifer. That's been really great. Um, thanks for sharing your knowledge and some of your experience and stories. Um, hopefully, um, well, not hopefully, I'm sure our listeners have got a lot of value out of our chat and, um, they'll be able to start thinking about not just their wills, not just their powers of attorney, but, you know, how do they want to manage, um, um, manage what happens to their wealth and what happens when, when they die. So, um, you know, if you haven't had a look at it, you really need to pull out your will. Uh, if you haven't got one, make sure you get one done and, and really think about what do you want to happen when you're not here anymore. So okay. thanks again, Jennifer, for coming on and um, look forward to chatting again soon. Sounds great. Thank you, Tavorjan. Thank you for listening to this episode. Our aim is to share the knowledge with as many people as possible. So please share it with everyone you know. And if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and visit our website, richwithpurpose.com.au to get access to all our free resources. See you next time.